Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane and you're back tuning into another episode of the EXO podcast. I got the chance to sit down with a good friend, um, Devin, also known as Sweet Tooth, one of the craziest motherfuckers on stage that you will ever see, brings the energy at an all-time high. He's known for being a day one artist on Funkcase's label, DPMO. Uh, Tons of tunes released with them over there, as well as music, other places. He is from Los Angeles County. He has quite the story to tell, and I'm so glad he is back to doing what he loves, aka traveling and touring and all of that fun stuff. He absolutely smashed his set at Forbidden Kingdom Music Festival in Orlando, Florida, and I cannot wait until the next time that we get to catch up. Do not forget this episode was powered by Rockstar Energy. And without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning into the XO podcast. Devin, oh my gosh. Hello, Lizzie. Hello, how are you? I'm actually great. You're great? Yeah. Your set today was fire? Yeah, first festival back. Like, the energy was there. The crowd showed up early for both me and Brissa. Like, and the thing is, too, when uh, when I play after somebody who plays a really heavy set and the crowd still gives everything they have, like, I have just so much appreciation for that because it's tough, dude. It's so tough. And it's, it's like Alex sets the bar here. And, yeah. and then, like, you came and set the bar here. And all your fam showed up. And it's, like, especially, I feel like, with, unfortunately, like, with Fun Case and Dr. P not being able to be here this weekend, like, they were going to go hard as fuck for you guys. Yeah, dude, because, like, you know, like, I'm one of James's first sons and Alex is like the golden child. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, and it was his first set. You know what I mean? Like Alex has been this God tier producer that just came out of absolute nowhere, but he'd never play a set. So Alex is like, you know, he's kind of like the DPMO son producer and I've been the DPMO son DJ. So having us both back to back, like that was going to be a special moment for James to be there too. And kind of be like, yeah, like look at my two kids go. And he couldn't be there, but, you know, me and Alex both did what we needed to do to make sure he was honored, you know? Absolutely. Tried to make him proud. He was supposed to fucking come on here last night. I was so sad, man. It, <sighs> it's heartbreaking, but it's just one of those things. It's like, there's nothing you can do. No, there are certain things that, unfortunately, in the line of work that we're in that you cannot fucking control. And I was like, Asora was here. Eric was here right before you. And, and he was just talking about his flights and stuff. And I'm like, man, sometimes shit just happens. And I was actually talking to Eric about that, too, because... He was supposed to play after me. Yeah. And I was talking to everyone about this lineup, how excited I was about that, because I was like, Versa, Hospital, Sweet Tooth, Cemetery, Ace Aura, Resuscitation. God. Yeah, yeah. like, he's going to bring everyone back to life after death. It was such a good lineup. Well, yeah. like, yo, you actually came in clutch, and, like, you <laughs> did your damn thing on five minutes' notice, and you made it fucking work. We tried. Those CDJs were bright. Oh, uh. Literally, you were like, that doesn't work. I can't see here. Good luck. Yeah. So, uh, actually, funny story. When I started playing my set, I don't know if it was because of overheating or someone tripped over a wire, whatever Tell me what happened, because something happened to me, too. Because my first two songs, the speakers weren't working. So, like, I had no idea, because I'm only hearing the booth monitor. Yeah. And then Kevin comes up to me. He's like, dude, you're not coming through on the speakers. (laughs) So... Oh, my God. Yeah, so apparently they got it working about my third song in. And, like, the crowd's been dealing with this all weekend. You know, like, 90-degree weather, like, 89% humidity, flash storms, you know. So, like, they know that the tech, the, the equipment's gone through some shit. 
And even with AT Aliens yesterday, like, I think their laptop overheated, like, mid-set. So, luckily, we have a crowd that's like, they're like, yo, we get it. Like, it's Florida. Florida. It's Florida. That's all you need to Florida's say. It's happen. Florida. But, yeah, so the CDJs cut out. And then they had a tarp over the, the each CDJ so we could see the screens so they wouldn't be, like, blocked out by the sun. Yeah. But then the wind started picking up, and the tarp tent came off. And I'm sitting there, like, wrestling with it. So stage tech seems to be wrestling with it. Like, yo, do you want to just take it off? And they take it off. I'm like, all right, I can see the crowd now. And I'm like, but I can't see my fucking songs. <laughs> you can't get it right. It's like nature is healing. We're back. Festivals are back. And it's funny, too, because this weekend was just a huge reminder. It's like, yo, no matter how many times you practice your set, practice your doubles, practice your routines, there's this shit you can't change, man. Nature is in charge. Like It really is, especially with like outdoor festivals. And that's what I thought when I saw that this festival, because this festival happened, but it originally happened in Boca before it got taken over by Insomniacs. And it was in February. Right. And like festivals don't happen here in the summer. And like, I know it's different because of COVID. So like everything's getting pushed back. But like Florida is insane. And like, this is normal Florida weather for the summer. And it's just like, you can't fuck with it. You can't challenge it. So it's like, if you're going to do an event here, that's why I was so surprised. I was like, they're never going to do an event in June again. I can tell you that much because it's just like insane. And I understand now because you're from LA. I'm right? from LA, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, how are things going there? Are they? Oh, dude. Well, I'm from LA, but I got to give a quick shout out to the South Bay. Like, yeah. SoCal people know what I'm talking about, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, like, South Bay is uh, 10 minutes from LAX, but it's the beach area, you know Okay, what I mean? yes. But things are good. So, um, it's rumored that the mask mandate will be lifted on June 15th. Sick. And I'm actually playing a show with Dak Daniels, Yax, like... 40-ounce uh, Colt. Yeah, 40-ounce yeah, Colt. Yeah, we got some of the grocery boys, too. Like, Wednesday, love we got her. all the homies on that. So, like... So, things are looking up in LA. And um, it's cool, too, because it's kind of like... I have played shows since... It, we're new, we're freshly coming out of this, you know? But the last show I played pre-pandemic was at Academy, which is in my hometown. Yeah. And it was Beautiful in December 2019. Oh so I, I played Denver, I played Austin, and now I played this weekend, but I haven't had that, like, SoCal, like, homecoming moment. And I've done enough on the last tour I did and during the quarantine to kind of, like, go up a tier. Yeah. But my day ones haven't gotten to see a show where, like, Hey, man, like, you made it to that next level, and, like, we're still here, you it's know? It's going to so be insane. It's going to be hype, dude, because, like, that's what I love about L.A. so much is because I'm, just, I'm just a kid that was there in 2012 before Rhythm was even called Rhythm. Like, it wasn't a thing yet, you know? Like, so I was just in the show, at in the crowd, in the pits, and I was there with David Yaks. Like, just me and him were just those kids. So now that me and him are playing shows... All of our homies that were at those shows with us, like, they, it's a real family thing in L.A. Like, they go so, so hard for us. That's Especially amazing. when we kind of, like, jump a tier. Then they, like, they kind of come out of retirement. You know, like, you know, I stopped going to the shows. But, like, all right, this is this is a big one for you, so we're coming back. Like, and that's going to happen coming out of COVID, especially in California. You're going to see everyone. That's why I'm super excited for the SoCal show because everyone's like, yeah, dude, like, Where's it at? It's at um, Huntington Beach. Oh, okay, so, cool. That's Wasted. Wasted, presents? yeah. Okay, OC, sweet, yeah. So it's technically not LA, but it's close enough to home where, like, it'll be my hometown, like, homecoming. Yeah, definitely. And that's, like, super exciting. So what has it been like to watch kind of, like, because what you were saying with, like, Yaks, like, Rhythm didn't fucking exist when you yeah. guys were, like, going and raging and all that shit. Like, what's it been like to watch, like, this dub plate culture kind of mature into what it is now? It's funny because I've talked about this several times and it's ultimately a double-edged sword. 
Yeah. Because on one end, with the popularity of dubstep, and before, dubstep's always been electronic music or, like, dance music. Yeah. But in America, it wasn't part of the rave culture. So when I first got involved, dubstep was its own scene, you know? Okay. So, like... Really? Yeah. It was I'm, it, like, still it new. Was yeah. Own, it was its own scene. So, like, I've been listening to dubstep since 2009, attending shows since 2012, you know? like Yeah. So... That being said, it was kind of its own scene, and like in our own way, we were so like pretentious and underground, like fuck the rave scene, yeah, like it's yeah, underground. yeah. But we got picked up by the rave scene, which has created jobs, opportunities, livable paychecks for myself and my friends and those kids that like, because it's all it's ultimately a passing of the torch, you know, like the generation creates opportunities for us, and then now I'm trying to create opportunities for those like coming up behind me, and now those opportunities are there because of the popularity of it. But because of its popularity, there the scene has been gentrified to an extent to where, like, some of the values aren't held as pure or as tightly. There's certain parts of the culture that was kind of like, you know, like, we held really, like, tightly and we were really proud of. That's just going out the window. And, you know, maybe I'm just an old, cranky elitist. But, yeah. like, like I said, it's double-edged sword. It's like, I am happy that people are listening to it. Like, I'm getting to play in front of more people than I ever thought I'd be able to play in front of, you know? Like, I'm able to live off it. My friends are able to do the same. But, like, it's just not the same tight-knit, like, just raw passion that it used to be, like... Yeah, and it's like there's a bittersweetness to it because you're happy to see it grow, but you're also, like, damn, we were, like, so close and it was so organic and raw. Exactly, exactly. And now, because there's so much money in it, it loses some of its genuineness. And, like... That's just gonna happen with anything. That's life, and it's it's just the ultimate double edged sword. Sorry, I keep like no, back you're good. Point. Yeah, but that's what it is. It's like once money gets involved and you see a financial back end on it, there's always gonna be reasons that people get involved just for financial benefit. Right. And then when people get involved just for financial benefit, you you lose some of that like wholesomeness exactly. that was originally part of it. And that's why like I see people all the time who don't get the back end of like like how much work it actually fucking takes to do well in this industry and they look from like that far vision or it's on social media or x y and z and it's like you don't even understand how little money we make until we get to a certain point the funny thing is everyone always asks me sweet tooth how do i do it like how how do i do it like how do you make it happen and i was like bro everyone comes up to me and tells me how hungry they are but are you hungry enough to eat shit sandwiches for seven years? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's, that's literally like, it. Are you going to, like, sell your car? Yeah. Are you, like, so you can buy production equipment? Are you going to, like, eat ramen noodles so you can go to every show and meet every promoter? Like, are you going to stay up and work a full-time job and, like, go to every show, show face, and stay until four in the morning? Work on music. Work on music. Like, are you going to, like, not have time to have friends or a relationship or even, like, a family? Like... It's kind of fucked up how much of a sociopathic, like, sense of urgency you have to have to make a career work. hmm Yeah. But people just aren't willing to see that because they see, like, the video, the, the recap videos and the pictures. And it's like, bro, they don't see the, the grind. The glamorous dude. lifestyle. And it's like, there are 95% no's and 5% yeses. And you get that 2% of luck when you've already worked to the 500% level of effort. And it's like, that's what takes you over the top. And that's why I like having these conversations because I feel like it's so important for people to know, especially now that we're getting back into it, that it's like, I'm just someone where I look at things and it's actions always speak louder than words. Because what you said, people say they're hungry, they're fucking grinding, they're doing X, Y, and Z. 
And it's like if you're putting in the hours and you're putting in the time, you will eventually see results. But you have to keep going and you have to, like, keep your vision straight. And it's literally just, it comes back to the old time, uh, sorry, the timeless phrase, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. It does. Yeah. Because, like, I know, like, you do, we both do band music. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of something we've, like, bonded over in the past. It's like, yo, like, I've been playing guitar since I was 11. I feel like you've been doing bass yep. and singing. Yep, so since I was literally, like, 12 so or 13, like, yeah. Now that we're both able to live comfortably off music, but it's like, yo, like, we've been grinding since we were... And that's what my mom says. Literally, my mom would be like, even though you're, like, new in electronic music and you've been doing this for, like, four years and you've been producing, she's like, you've literally been on stage. She's like, I used to take you when you were 13 years old to play at fucking state theater with your band. Like, she's like, so that all plays into what you're doing now. And it does. The talking, the stage presence, all that shit adds up because it's if you're in a creative outlet and you're a performer and you're an artist, that can translate into anything you want it to translate to. I like how you brought up being a performer. Yeah. Because... You are... Yeah. So talk about that. (laughs) Talk about stage presence. Talk about what what made you want to be like, this is how I'm going to be every fucking time I'm on stage. Okay, so I've always been a rowdy kid. Just like angst, confusion. I was pissed off at the world. I was pissed off morally at myself for not being able to deal with the world. I was yeah. confused about why I had the life I had. I'm not going to do this whole woe is me, but like, dude, my child is fucked, man. Yeah. But I'm grateful because, like, it makes me so much more grateful for everything I have now. So, uh, I used to have so many people telling me, like, oh, you have so much potential, you have so much potential. But, like, if I didn't use my potential the way that they wanted it, wanted me to, I was a failure, I was a waste, you know. So, when I DJ, that's the only time where no one can tell me what to do but me. So me letting all that out is just the biggest fuck you to, like, yeah. everyone, you know? Yes. But I can only take so much credit for that because, like, I've always had that inside of me. Yeah. My first dubstep show I ever saw, 2012, Bass Rush versus Circus, Fun Case. Oh. First time seeing Fun Case, man. And he has the stage, you know, that performance aspect to him. And uh, he comes on stage and he's like, ah! I'm like, okay. Yeah. I've never seen a DJ do that before. Like, before, back in the day, just came up and played their set, and that was it. And this fool's moving so much, and I was like, all right, dubstep's fucking tight. I'm going to be a DJ, and I'm going to be, like, that guy. Yes, so how did you... Okay, so you saw him first, and you're like, holy fuck, that's fucking it. How did that go from one, two, three, you're signing music to his label? Okay, so I'll try to make this as short as possible. No, talk. We're here. Um, I found out about him through Cookie Monster because at Ginger Pubes like you know you type in YouTube yeah. Ginger Pubes yeah <laughs> I found out about fucking uh, Fun Case like 50 Caliber yep and oh then, yeah like they were just to me dude they were just oh jeez legends. Like, legends legends I wanted yeah. to be them so bad I used to just study their videos I would just watch how they moved like their song selection like I just just wanted to emulate them and then I remember seeing them at shows and being like dude this is Fun Case like this is Cookie Monster like Bro, like, do you know who this is? And then after that show, I'd be like, one day, I want someone in the crowd from my set to look at me like that. Like, the impact they have on me, I want them, I want to have that on somebody else. Yeah. But EDC 2013, it was Sunday morning. They just played that Saturday. I'm walking down Vegas, and I'm just like, that guy looks like Fun Case. And I look to his left, I'm like, that guy looks like, oh, my God, that's Fun Case and Dr. P. Yeah, yeah. So I see them get a quick picture, like, kept it short. Yeah. And then a couple months later, I was really good friends with Gentleman's Club with, uh, you know, Coffee, okay, 50 yep, Carrot, yep, Solomon. Yep. They're OGs, too. <laughs> yeah, they all come from the same circle over and there. And it's funny, though, because 
part we talked about rhythm before rhythm was rhythm. The first rhythm show in LA was Future Events, and it was 50 Carats' first US appearance. Oh, wow. But, anyways, uh, we're at the show, and I see James. And I'm like, hey, man, not trying to be weird, but like, I saw you at um, Caesar's Palace, and I just want to say hi again. He's like, oh, dude, like, I remember you. It was daytime. And I was like, yeah. Like, and again, not trying he's to be. He's so nice. He's, he's so, so nice. Great. Yeah. And he was like, again, not trying to be weird, but you're just my biggest inspiration for music. And then his demeanor completely changed. He's like, all right, what makes you say that? And once I explained to him, like, just my little list of why I looked up to him on multiple levels, he can tell he's like, yo, like, this kid gets what I'm trying to do. So then that turned into, like, a two-hour conversation. And I was like, oh, dude, do you mind, like, me showing you a video of the last set that I played? And I was playing one of his songs. And he's like, dude, like, that's fucking sick. Like, you have my energy. So ever since then, me and him, I was still a fan. Okay. But it yeah. was one of those things where when I saw him, like, I was a fan, but he could tell, like, he's not, like, overdoing it. Like, he, like, keeps his boundaries. Like, yo, like, so when I saw him, I was like, yo, what's up, James? He's like, dude, Deb, like, like, what's up, you know? So then um, a couple years later, we're at a show. I was sober at the time, and he doesn't really drink. Yeah. So we're backstage, and me and him are the only sober ones, and we just got into, like, another really long life talk. And that's when he gave me his promo email. Yeah. So me and Victor, level, we wrote Impending Doom. And we were going to give the song out for free. But our homegirl, Janess, had like, was like, yo, this tune's too huge. Yeah. And I sent it to every label, got denied by every label. Yeah. And I sent it to James. DPML wasn't announced and it wasn't like, hey, sign this. It was literally, I think I finally have a tune that's worth showing you. I would just love some feedback. Two weeks later, he's like, yo, this song slaps, but the second part of the song slaps. Because originally, the first part of the drop was the second. So the sustained, yes. like, the okay. iconic part was the second part at first. He's like, yo, switch this, make it the first part, and I'll sign it to Circus. And I'm like... What? Yeah. yeah. I, I was on tour. I literally start screaming, what the fuck? Run out of my car door. Start running around in circles in the hotel parking lot. Like, <laughs> I love it. Literally, my lifelong dream was to be on Circus and to, like, have his approval. Yeah. And my first actual signing was not only for Circus, but for his, like underground like new yeah. team so he's like all right dude i'm gonna let you in on something i'm starting a squad it's called dpmo we're taking over the underground I what year was this it. 2017 okay. okay it was summer 2017 okay so like i've been on dpmo day one yeah. even though impending dune came out on volume two yeah so but i was in the know of like what happened everything going on yeah so basically when that happened i was kind of like because you know like nsd had black label and that was their underground you know so i was like dude this is going to be DPMO's version of Black Label. Like, I could be, like, the Trampa or Eptic of DPMO if I just give it my all and, like, really step up. So I told James immediately, I'm like, yo, thank you for this opportunity. This is my home. Like, I'm giving you everything first. And, like, I'm going hard for the brand. Yeah. And since I had that loyalty out the gate, like, he's taken just so much care of me. And you were supposed to play fucking Rampage this past year. Oh, fucking. Okay. That's the festival. I'm looking at him. That's the festival that I tell you about. I go, Wes, you don't get it. There's this festival in Belgium where it's just a huge amphitheater of like 20,000 people going crazy. So I'm a Pisces, right? Sorry, okay. cut you off. No, you're good. I'm a Pisces. Birthday, March 13th. There we go. And my whole thing was like, by the time I'm 27, that's going to be my year. Like, that's the year where something like, where I fucking do it. Yeah. And I quit my job when I was 26. First time being a full-time musician. And Ramp uh, Rampage 2018, no, 2019, sorry. Funk Casey's first audio visual show. Yeah. And when he did that, the reaction was so insane. 
Murdoch asked for us by name. He's like, yo, we want your boys next year. So I'm kicking with James at EDC Vegas. He's like, yo, Murdoch asked for us. Or he's like, I asked, he asked for DPMO. So like, if you want to play, step up. And I'm just like, okay. He's like, nah, I'm kidding. You're on, bro. Like, you're oh on. Oh my God. And I was like, yeah. dude, what the fuck? I was going to play Rampage on my birthday, uh. representing DPMO. And the day before my birthday, and I don't even celebrate birthdays, first yeah, off. Yeah. I, I just don't. I, it's not for me. But the one time I was like, you know what? I called the 27th thing Friday the 13th. Hell yes. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. Like, lifelong dream. Biggest lifelong dream. Yes, me. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then nature was like. Fuck you. <laughs> Here's COVID. The borders are closed. And I remember seeing all of this shit happen. And I was just like. Holy shit. It was like when that when everything started to roll off, because I know you had so much momentum behind you then. And it was like just shaping up to be a big year for like a lot of the homies. And it just was so unfortunate. But like we will come back and we are back and it's gonna be great, don't get me wrong. But I just remember like sitting, seeing emails come in and just being like, This is like I'm getting chills because like I was like, this is real. I was like, this is not a fucking joke right now. And I was like, holy shit. Cause I feel like me and you have been arguably like really close to each other as far as I know as, like, from like a distance like but like I feel like when I talk to you it's kind of like that friend thing when you can sit down with someone and be like we're here and it's like I feel like I'm doing on the west coast what you're doing on the east yes. coast and yeah. it's happening like on a really cool like similar similar level like yes. I'll get like an opportunity and you'll get an opportunity like equally as big where it's like and then I remember you were posting some some shit about like metal or whatever, and then I DM'd you my Reverb Nation for my band, and I was yeah. like, "Yo, this is my band." When I was fourteen and years old, and I was old. like, "Yo, this we're, is my we band." We have to do something, and you were like, "Yax plays fucking bass," or like, "Yax plays something," right? Yax yeah. is actually a legit metal screamer. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, but I I definitely agree, and 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 I just felt like because the last time we had seen each other was High Caliber, and then and then we were like just like setting up to have this like killer fucking year, but. I do feel like everything does happen for somewhat of a reason. And and is there anything during COVID that you felt like may not have happened if the world would have stayed the same? 100%. So um, I hate saying, like, I'm glad COVID happened because... It's so hard to say. Yeah. I'm not. But uh, my manager, Kevin, like, every time something happens and we take a hit, he always tells me, life is 20% what happens to you, 80% of what you make of it. Yeah. So when oh, Co- I love that. Exactly. Dude, yeah. like, honestly, bro, like, Kevin just... He seems uh, great. Yeah, he's yeah. the perfect manager to deal with me and, like, keep me... <laughs> yeah, great. But, um, so, obviously, I was, like, massively depressed because I just quit my job. Like, I, I got rid of any security I had because what I was supposed to do in 2020 was, suppo- yeah. was supposed to carry me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like, it was going to be the year that I took care of my parents, like, fixed their house, you know, like... My nephew had just been born. I was going to help him out and, like, help my sister. And I was, like, going to finally step up and be the man of the family off my passion. And then... And that's a huge thing that 95% of people can never say they can do. I I had it. Yeah. And then it was just, just ripped away from me the sec- literal second it was supposed to happen. So I went through a massive depression. And um, Kevin let me go through it at a reasonable amount of time. But he hits me up. He's like, hey, dude, I'm going to keep it real with you. Everyone's going through the same pandemic. So it's up to you to work right now and, like, put yourself in a position where shows come back, you'll be a contender. So I did take the necessary breaks I did. I got way better at the technical side of producing because before, my whole thing to producing was making simple shit sound really cool and slap live. Yeah. 
But now since I had time, I got better at like the grindy sound up. design. Yeah. And then I really got to focus on like my emo shit, you know, like my band shit. So, and because I was going through, you know, hardships, because my approach to dubstep is like, fuck everyone, you're all pieces of shit. And then yeah. my approach to band is like, I'm the piece of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since I was going to that, like, I got to make the best lyrics I've ever written and just like really connect with my boys because we were all going through the same thing. And like, you know what it's like being a producer? It's it's lonely. You know, like you're a solo act. Like you are the product, you yep. know, like. Yep, It gets very isolated. And then it's, it's so hard weighing out a level of creativity and feeling creatively fulfilled and also being like, can they sell this on a pedestal? You and know? It's, it's super weird because, like, when you're an artist, like, bro, you're you're the Kleenex. Like, yeah. you're the soda. You're the yeah. fucking popcorn, bro. It's like, if you're not selling, you'll be replaced. You know what I mean? But being with my band, we had four, three other people going through similar things where we all just kind of, like... Good music comes out of that. And it's like, yeah, we had each other. So I got I got closer to my friends than I've ever been. I started Twitch streaming just because I had the time to. Now, now that's another passion of mine. And through Twitch streaming, I've met, like, just the best friends I've ever had. Because this might be something you also relate to. Being an artist, when people approach you, you don't know what their intentions are. You don't know if they actually fuck with you or if they just want to want you to be another rung on the ladder. There's a sign on your forehead that says, she can get me from here to exactly. here. Exactly. So I'm going to do what I need to do, to whether it's guest list, whether it's a collab, whether it's a podcast, whether it's whatever. And then... Uh, the thing I found is like when you're so many people just disappeared when COVID happened, you know, and but everyone was going through it. So I get it. I totally get that. But it's like when you're nowhere to be found, when my life is going on, that doesn't have to do with Lizzie Jane. Like he's taught me how to be real because I'm a pushover and I can then you're a nice sweetheart, too. So like, uh, dude, you I'm know, yeah, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're a sweetheart. But you. it's hard to tell character when you have a kind heart and you want to see the best in people but the truth is that a lot of people really fucking suck in this industry 90 percent of people suck yeah actually no we all suck we do we, we do all suck. but, but the only thing that makes you suck less is if you realize how you suck yeah and go on a daily basis try to suck less in those aspects yeah no absolutely and it's like knowing like what you bring to the table but like keep going sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but oh, like yeah but yeah i had for the first time ever because i like, just tore 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 yeah and like I've gone through so many relationships where it's like I don't I never try to make my partner my rock, but it just becomes like I'm always on tour. I can't have a relationship with my sister, with my mom, or like my my dad, and they get it. But it's like I have this one person at home, and it's like I won't make them my rock. But it's like yo, like I have someone there when I get home. Yeah. But touring just fucks all of that up. Yeah. Know? And it's like hard to keep any type of friendship. But like because I was able to stay at home. I found friends like, yo, we don't give a fuck that you're sweet tooth, bro. Like, fuck you. Like, we just like playing Xbox with you. And I was like, yes, dude, it was the ultimate, like, I mean, like, yo, we're all in our mid-20s, but it was the ultimate. It just made me feel like it's middle school Friday. We're yeah. going to the boy's house and his mom just ordered a meat lover's pizza. Like, he just got Halo 2 on Xbox. And we're getting high on Mountain, uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. It was just like, I got to feel like that again. And I yeah. got to feel what it's like to be loved for being Devin and not what I could provide as sweet. It's so important. And that's why it's like, I want to know your fucking name. Like, I don't want to go like, hey, this is sweet to you, sweet to you. Like, like, no, you're Devin. And this is your passion and your project. And it's super fucking dope. And like, so many people know you as that. But I feel like sometimes, especially when you're a solo artist, like a producer, it can merge. 
And then all of a sudden you're like, when you step back or something like COVID happens, when you're not seeing all your buddies at the festivals and you're not going on tour, you're like, who the fuck is here? And, and you like ask yourself like, who are you? Because I'm not like, I am Lizzie Jane, but like, I'm also Liz. And like, I also like doing this and doing that and stuff that doesn't have to do with music, even though music is my passion. But when you step back and you go, I have no one to do this with because all my friends are just in music. And and I feel like it's so important to have those gamer friends. And it's so important to have those other friends who have this touch on reality that, that, that even though obviously we're in reality, we live this very wonky lifestyle. It's all just fucking dog and pony show bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I love it. I wouldn't trade yeah. it for anything else in the world, but it's so just superficial, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we as artists are there to give people an escape from reality. Yes. We are there to, like, they have a shitty job, just went through a breakup, like, their parents suck. We give them those 10, escape. or sorry, 6 to 10 hours of escape where nothing matters, you know? Yep. But we all have to go home sometimes. And yeah. sometimes being an artist, you don't get to go home for a very long time and uh, before quarantine I had to do a lot of work on Sweet Tooth to make sure he was okay while he was on the road and when quarantine happened that was the first time I realized like yo I put so much work into Sweet Tooth now that Devin's alone where's Devin yeah let's work on him and to go back to your question way earlier that was probably the best thing that came out of COVID for me or lockdown is I'm more okay with myself on both you know, on both ends of the uh, ends of the totem, like Devin's more comfortable himself. He's comfortable being alone, you know. And then Sweet Tooth is okay doing just the grueling, grinding like shows without sleep. You know, just like the expectations that come with this type of lifestyle. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like in the bathroom putting on jeans and I'm fucking sweating my ass I've off. Seen and I'm you like in three I'm outfits like, today. I'm like, do it. You can do it. I was like, Lizzie, just put them on. Just do it. But it's like that's that's like the shit that like I feel like we do like when we're like outside the studio because it's like we love what we do so much and it's like important to us and and you get that like there's like a puzzle that we have to fill all of the pieces to do what we love to do on stage and the stuff that we do when we're not on stage feeds just as much into the stuff that we do when we are on stage and and it's but it's so important to for the first time ever I feel like I do have like a personal life and and a, you know a, a music life and that's and that's so cheers yeah, yeah that. we're cheersing we're cheersing we're cheersing and um it's 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 definitely something that you're not the only one who I've spoken to where they've said I didn't have this and now I do and I think that's so healthy because the one thing we all asked for while we were touring was I wish I had more time time to sleep time to see my family time to see my yep. dog whatever we didn't want time like that <laughs> under those yeah. circumstances yeah. it's like all right y'all bitch for time y'all Here's got time, time. <laughs> yeah so you know like i say this as politely as i can like we all went through the same quarantine like we've all lost friends family members like we all lost jobs opportunities like we all lost hope but it was um so it's kind of like we're all kind of on an even playing field, but it's cool to see everyone that, like, I talk to, you know? Like, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but it's cool to see so many people that were able to, like, find a light at the end of a very dark tunnel, Because you know? we didn't know. We didn't... Even though I'm in Florida and we operated very differently than California, yeah. I totally get that. It was still, like, the energy was off and, and it was just not what it was. And at one point, it was that question in your head, like, is 
it going to go back to normal? Right. Is this the new normal? You know, and that's really hard mentally for someone not only in our field, but just someone at our age to adapt to. When we're like, I felt like at sometimes I got resentful because I was like, and it was it was almost selfish. I was just like, I just fucking lost Alir in my like life, dude. Like I felt like I lost time. And I like lost this like momentum in this and that. But then I like stepped back and I was like, now I have like a dog and a personal life and my music has just fucking gotten so much better. And it's like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. This shit just picks up, you know? But and like look at it, we're back. We're back. You know, this is back, you know? We're back, you're back, because you realize all that and grounded, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was like, we all went through our shit, but it, it, it's kind of like that cherry on top, like just taking yourself out of your body and going, okay, like what Kevin said to you, like we're all going through the same shit, especially here, and it's going to be what you make out of it. And, and it made people innovative. You, shit came out of it that not only music-wise, we heard some super forward-thinking shit, but I just feel like everything from a production standpoint, from a visual standpoint, from concept festivals in general, is going to be next level. It's funny, too, because um, one thing that freaked me out was all the introverted child prophecy, or uh, child prodigy, sorry, producers came out of nowhere, which is game-changing shit, and they're literally, like, yes. 16 years old. I'm like, Omar, Omar, yo! Omar. Yeah. I yeah. was like, yo, I'm gonna lose my job to all these kids. They're so good. I I literally, that's what I used to tell them all the time. I said, I said, I would say, like, Wes, or I would say, Mom, like, I got in the game right in time because the people behind me are 16, and they, they are living a, a different life. It's different. It's different when you're at home, and, and you don't, it's crazy, because, like, I, I want to say, like, everyone's journey is different, but half of me is like, God damn it, why didn't I do that shit? Like, okay, but let's be real. Like, when I was growing up, we didn't have YouTube tutorials. We didn't have true. Ableton. Yes. We didn't have, like, Fruity Loops. We had Xbox. So yeah. now we have all these kids, so instead of going home and playing, like, Call of Duty, they're, like, up watching, like, YouTube tutorials and getting on fucking uh, On fucking Fruity stocks and, and Bitcoin and, and all this other shit, All this dude. shit, dude. Yeah. It's like, we're coming into a more and more digital world every day. But, like, it's also a double-edged sword because, like, some people that are introverted and, like, are really good on the, you know, technical side of things, you can't just be technically good. You have to be a presence. You have to be an icon. Like, you like you have to sell an experience, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, that's why I was kind of like, all right, like, I did a couple live streams that got my head, like, all right, like, I'm still here because of, like, what I'm able to do, like, as a performer, you know? But it was definitely scary seeing all the child prodigies come out of nowhere. And you're like, holy fuck. Oh, yeah, yo, I need to step it up. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I need to step it up for the sophomore. I gotta go. Yeah, no, I feel you. But I'm, uh, thank you for coming on talk Dude, today. Thank you for having this me. This was great. This is like, I love when it goes back and forth and it's more of a, con this is my goal is like conversations, not so much like interviews, you know what I'm saying? Because then I can like hear some of you, you can hear some of me and we just bounce back and forth. So I really do appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Sweet tooth. Fucking check his shit out, please. Live from Forbidden Kingdom. Peace out. Later, Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that are return listeners and viewers. It means the world to me. And do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for a first opportunity to hear these podcasts ad-free. Give us some input who you want to see on the podcast, ask questions, one-on-one -on -one lessons, group lessons, live streams, and so much more. 
This is Lizzie Jane, and I'll see you next week for another episode of the EXO Podcast.